0: Hello, and welcome to the Comic Book Bin Podcast for February 15, 2012. Today, uh, we have Dan Horne, Andy Doan, and myself, Hervé Saint-Louis. Later on, we'll uh, have Martin Piero, which is a creator creator and also the publisher of Cosmic Times, a new comic book publishing company, and he sent us a couple of comics, and uh, we're just having technical issues trying to get him on, but we'll get him soon. And he will be able to talk about various comic books he's working on. Now the first thing I want to do today... Oh, okay, well, first of all, you guys, please say hi. (laughs) Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I want to do, I want to rant about douchebags. (laughs) You're a douchebag if you call me at my home after 5 p.m., Because you're my co-worker And you were saying crap And I corrected you And you wanted me to take blame For crap that I didn't do And then you call me at my home After five And you tell me that I made you look Bad in front of your boss You're a douchebag if you do that Douchebag It's out of my system now Don't call me at my home after 5 And don't call a second time and a third time (laughs) And stop telling me That I made you look bad in front of your boss
1: Okay, I'll never do that again It's not you (laughs) God damn it Andy
0: (laughs) You're a douchebag if you do that (laughs) And you guys listening to this podcast Don't ever call your co-workers at home Telling them that they made you look bad in front of your (laughs) boss—it's unacceptable. Okay, I'm coming down
1: now.
0: (laughs) My system. All right. Do any of you have something in your (laughs) system you need to get out? (laughs) That needs to get out. A little bit of (laughs) foreshadowing.
2: Douchebag is gonna play a much larger part in this podcast.
1: <laughs> 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 uh,
0: hey.
2: <laughs> anyway.
0: Let's <laughs> talk about those douchebags at Marvel.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gary Friedrich. Well, you know what? I've been reading a little bit more about this uh, uh, ghost. Case, and um, I don't even know what, how I feel about this anymore, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Roy Thomas has come forward and said that Gary Friedrich had nothing to do with uh, the creation of Ghost Rider. So, I don't know. Well, as you all know, the uh, the whole story uh, Gary Friedrich um, had sued Marvel over royalties uh, for Ghost Rider, claiming that he was one of the uh, uh, major uh, creators of, you know, Ghost Riders uh, look. Uh, but he had never been receiving any royalties uh, for that character, you know, since the 70s. Um, anyway, uh, Marvel countersues and uh, uh, the court orders Friedrich to pay $17,000 in damages to Marvel. And, um, uh, from what I hear, Gary Friedrich is not in a very good <laughs> financial situation in the first place, which you know might explain why he went toe to toe with Marvel in the first place. Um, but,
1: but, yeah, so that's that's what's happening now. He's expecting like the big the big boom when uh, this new Ghost Rider movie comes out? Is that what the, the thing is, or yeah, you know, so right. yeah. like
0: <laughs> This is Ghost Rider, right? Yep. The first movie was crap. Yep, awful. <laughs> what makes him think that the second one's going to be even better than that?
2: Well, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't matter how good these movies are. They still make, you know, millions of dollars. And uh, what better way to, <laughs> you know, make, make a huge payday than win a, a royalties battle with um, the people that might, you know, owe him some money on the, the back end.
0: But I hear that he was also suing for the movie rights.
2: That I'm not sure about. I'd have to look into that a little more. But one of the uh, one of the other implications of um, the the countersuit that Marvel um, filed is that he'll no longer be able to sell any self created Ghost Rider merchandise.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like um, I guess one of the like the the what I would. this in perspective as is like um, artist Sally at comic book conventions um this might have a bigger impact on that than it, it it first um appears to because this is kind of um that first nail in the coffin of uh you know um unlicensed uh artwork of licensed properties um like we were t- I think when we had the sober discussion we were talking about um uh, deviant art um, and people sell prints you know uh, of fan art on deviant art and that could be something that could be uh, going the way of the dinosaur pretty soon here you know
0: but um, did the uh, how could I say um Was he even, uh, like, he, you You mentioned that some people say he's not even involved with Ghost Rider, not even a real creator? Yeah.
2: He was an artist on the, uh, the series um, uh, around its inception, you know. Um, but Roy Thomas says, who is, you know, uh, a um, he's... Attributed the, the title of co creator for Ghost Rider. Um, he says that it, it was, you know, Ghost Rider was his idea and um, another artist's idea, you know, someone who designed Ghost Rider, and that uh, Friedrich didn't have um, any input in the design or the creation of Ghost Rider.
1: How much money is this guy looking for? Did it, did it say, like, is he just kind of looking for a, a, a chunk, like a percentage, a cut?
2: I guess he was looking for back pay on royalties. Um, I'd have to look up the exact figure, though. I think there it was an exact figure, if I remember correctly.
1: Um, I'd have to look that. But well, well, considering uh, who he's up against, I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, I hope he he wins hugely. You know what I mean? Like, probably well, he already
2: he already lost he already lost the suit, and and the counter is that he well he's been ordered to. Um, uh pay $17,000 in damages to Marvel to, now. To, to, to Disney.
1: <laughs> yeah, to Disney. are going to put that right in the bank.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the things is um, uh, Marvel actually has to, every time they're sued, they have to pay $100,000 to defend themselves in court. So <laughs> one of the things that I was reading was that the $17,000 that um, Gary Friedrich has to pay in damages is actually... Uh, a pretty lenient um, countersuit on, uh you know, Marvel
1: or Disney's behalf. Huh. So, th- okay.
0: Uh, you guys continue. I'm just going to add uh, Martin Piero to oh, the this- discussion in a few seconds. What yeah, do-
1: I, I was a bit distracted when I when you're you about Ghostwriter by this new comic that just came out. I've been engrossed with it. It's-
0: there's a new... There's a new,
1: comic I just got like a minute ago. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying to take a, as much of it in as written.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to invite him now to the conversation. Uh, I'll just start with a couple of basic questions so we get to know him. Because um, he's got a couple of comics that he's working on. And then we'll... Take it from there, but please let me go at it first. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hi, Martin. Yep. Can you hear us?
3: Yes. Yes, I can. Can you hear me?
0: Yes. It's uh, Hervé Saint-Louis from the Comic Book Bin. We're with Andy Doan here. Okay. And Dan Horn. Hello. Hello. Cool. Um, so now that... Can everyone hear everybody? Yes, yeah, sure. Yep. Oh, okay, good. Uh, we're already recording, Martin. And we started... We were talking about um, Ghost Rider, Ra- Rider and so on. But um, since you're here... Um, like last week you introduced yourself and uh, you were talking about the Archer comic book, which is based on obviously on the, uh, the Archurian legend. Yeah. And I believe Cosmic... Uh, Times is a new publisher. You guys have been working on this project for quite a while, right? Well, we've actually
3: been in existence for since t- late two thousand, or no, two thousand nine. In uh, March two thousand nine is when we started. The um, we've been uh, struggling with Diamond to get distribution. So for the for the first for the last few years, we've been just doing comic shows and selling our books online.
0: Okay. Um... And you guys are going to do a big splash at the at local convention very soon, right?
3: Yes, we're going to the Orlando MegaCon. It is, um, as we record this, it is in two days. It's on Friday. It's the first day, the 17th of February. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a great show. It's a big show. Last year they had Stan Lee and Shatner. This year they have Stan Lee again. Um, it's, it's, uh, we, this is the first time we've had this many books coming out at one time. We have four different products that we're releasing at Megacon this year. So hopefully this will be the 2012 will be our year.
0: Okay. And Megacon, you said is in uh, April, right?
3: No, Megacon is uh fri- is
0: Friday. Oh, Starts sorry. Friday. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah. I'll <laughs> have to check the trusty comic book bin app to see if it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, well, I guess, um, I thought you were going to talk about Archer, but, um, uh,
1: I'll be happy to talk about Arthur. I don't I'm know how sure.
0: do you guys want to do it, because um, well, Andy yeah, and Dan. Sure.
1: also. You said you're 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 releasing four products uh, at the the MegaCon. Go ahead and tell us what those are and a little bit about each one. All
3: right. Well, um, we're releasing the collected edition of Arthur. Uh, we've kind of been on hiatus for a little while. I've been trying to deal with uh, Diamond Distributors, so we've um, because we wanted to do something with Arthur for MegaCon. We collected all the issues we have out so far and we added um, some pages that actually had to get cut out of the first issue. The first issue of Arthur was, um, was 48 pages, but it probably could have been about 60 for how much we had to cut out of the story. Um, so we've added, we've added, uh, I think eight pages, um, in the back of the book is kind of cut scenes like we got on DVD. Um, so we have that coming out. That's, that's kind of a big deal for us. It's our first trade paperback we've released. Um, uh, the other series, the second series we launched a while ago, was Decisions. Um, it's been compared the, the uh, I guess the, the elevator pitch for it is uh, Quantum Leap meets Highway to Heaven. It's kind of morality tales, uh, and it deals with shifting through time and whatnot. And um, it's our, uh, it was our second series, and we're releasing the second issue of that at MegaCon this year. It's actually was has been in the can for a little while, again trying to deal with distribution. So we decided just to go ahead and put it out for Megacon. And we also have the second issue of our science fiction miniseries, Sold, coming out. That was written by a fellow named Christopher Faulkner for us and uh, with art by Zach Bassett, who also worked on Decisions. So um, we finally got the second issue of that out. That'll be released at Megacon. And we're also launching a new new first issue of a two-issue miniseries called From Blood. Which is a psychological. It's not really a psychological thriller. It's more along the lines of a psychological action film. And that will be the first issue will be released at MegaCon, with uh, the second issue to follow shortly thereafter. Cool. You had met, you had some uh, problems with uh, Diamond. What what was going on there? Well, um, a year ago when we put together Sold, we sent it to Diamond. Um, I'm getting a little static. You guys hear me okay?
0: Yeah, I can hear I can hear the static too.
3: All right. So I'd be sure I wasn't cutting you guys off. Um, so anyways, we we sent the first issue of sold to Diamond. It was our first full color book. We had it printed on an offset printer as opposed to the digital printing you often see at conventions. So we put together a nice package. We were assigned a brand manager. We we got the whole process going. And then they rejected our book. Okay. I can handle rejection. Not a big deal, but I asked. You know, they they send a form saying why, and I contacted my rep and I said, "Well, what's the story behind our rejection?" She implied that it was um, because our cover we had a, we had a three dollars and fifty cent cover price. Hmm. They they felt that for an independent publisher, for a twenty two page comic, that three fifty was too high. So we resubmitted it at two ninety nine, and that's been about nine months ago. And we've been going back and forth. They're not giving me a yes, they're not giving me a no. Um, to be honest with you, I haven't even heard from anybody from Diamond for about three months, and I've been constantly contacting them, trying to get, just trying to get an answer. Mm-hmm. like, tell me no, and tell me why, and we'll fix it. It's all I want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand the, the economics of it all, that they're a big company with you know lots of uh, employees they have to pay, and my books probably wouldn't generate enough revenue to even pay one of their employees. But, on the same token, if I feel that
0: they should uh, at least
1: give an independent guy like me a chance. Okay, right. Um, um i about Arthur. Um, it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of people are going back and uh, retelling the the old uh, the legends and the fairy tales and all this stuff. So Arthur is, is particular is, is one that's covered um, by popular media, media now in different forms, uh, TV shows specifically, but, uh, you know, books and what as well, what's, what do you think is your, uh, your take? What's original about your take on the, on the, uh, the series? Where do you draw your, your inspiration from? Well,
3: oddly enough, this the Arthur goes back years. When I first got out of college, my, um, the, the girl I was seeing at the time who later became my ex-wife, she and I were, um, <laughs> We're working on uh, some television pitches and some movie pitches, and I believe Arthur was going to be a television pitch. We had put together this concept at the time. I think Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome had just come out or had been out recently, and we all, we thought what a cool concept to try to merge the whole Mad Max scenario with the King with the Arthurian legend, because according to you know a lot of the stories that are written, the story ends with Arthur going off to Avalon to heal after his big final battle to one day return and unite his people. And we always figured it would be kind of... Not, it, we, at the time, we thought it would be kind of cool to have him in that desert scape, you know, riding on the back of a motorcycle, cutting up, you know, road warrior-type scenarios or whatever while Tina Turner sings a song in the background. But, uh, but you know, years go by. That nothing ever came with the project. And when I decided to, to delve into comic book publishing, I... um one of the projects I considered doing was dusting off this old King Arthur post in a post-apocalyptic future. So that's kind of, that, that was the origin of the story. Um, I, I've since changed the, the post-apocalyptic future to be more of a overgrown wasteland as opposed to being the desert wasteland because at, at this point that has been done so many times. Yeah. So that that's that's my take on it. It's it's like Arthur Part Two, set in the future as opposed you know to today's time or in the past.
0: What's um, the difference with the Archer and um, I don't remember what's the uh, Camelot three thousand? Is that the name?
3: Yes, you know that was the funny thing during the whole time I w- we worked on the television pitch, and even as I was putting together the um, comic book, I just I Arthur th- or Camelot three thousand it totally slipped my mind. But it, it is it is a um, it, it is an entire it's a different take on it. In Camelot three thousand, it deals with I believe all of the knights. Being reincarnated in different bodies, like Galahad, I think is in the form of a woman, if I remember correctly, and it's set kind of in a space opera dealing with aliens. And as if I remember correctly, and I haven't read it since you know it came out in the '80s, it was um, it deals with kind of just the retelling of the Arthurian legend as it was previously told, set in the future. And um, I mean, again, it dealt, dealt with a reincarnation of Arthur and whatnot. My story is isn't that obviously it's in a, it's in a post apocalyptic England where you know civilization is on the brink of extinction very very much medieval times in the future mm-hmm. and um it's not a resurrection as much as just a return of King Arthur. We don't deal with any of the other knights that have uh long since uh passed and so there is differences. I just wish I remember I had thought of uh, came out three thousand while I was working on this, but uh you know great minds think alike, I guess <laughs>
0: um what about the new characters in this series? Um, I guess I mean Archer meets a lot of other characters uh, uh, can you tell right. us about them
3: yeah well the um arthur in it's in the future uh the the sword and the stone magically, magically well it appeared in they, they in this village and this kind of religious sect formed around it waiting for the day King Arthur would return and you have your sword keepers um, and you have a junior sword keeper, kind of a junior monk almost named Mel. And he's kind of our point of view character in the story. He has a um, a love interest of Katrina and there, you know, the sword has appeared. The religion has formed. And at this point in the story, the religion is already kind of waning. People have lost their faith. And Mel is the one character who holds strong to his faith throughout the entire story and, you know, spoilers, Arthur returns, so he's proven right at the end. But he's, he's the, the main character that we introduce in the story. There's, there's um, the mayor of the village who becomes a um, – there's a lot of the second and third issues that are all obviously collected in the trade. There's some political intrigue with the mayor, then another village where they send imbyseries the over. It's, it's, um, there's a lot of characters really to go into. And I don't bring back the Knights of the round table, but by the end of the third issue, you kind of see that we're heading back toward Arthur finding his trusted Knights, so to say, so to speak, where he'll hopefully one day bring them back to the round table and, you know, reinstate his uh, law of uh, might for right.
0: Okay. Um, I've got a couple of specific questions about the, the, uh, the person who helped you on this project. So that's basically the, the artwork. Um, I guess it, the cover seems like it was done by someone else.
3: Right. The cover was by a name named Attula, whose last name, I, name cannot I cannot begin pronounce. to pronounce. Uh, he's actually out of Sri Lanka. He's a, he's a heck of a nice guy and a really good artist. He, uh, his style invokes a lot of the old 80s Conan books from Marvel. Yeah. Now the, yeah. The interiors, though, were done, were done by a fellow named, um, it's not spelled that way, but it's pronounced Christian Zamora. And he um he's from Uruguay. I found him online. He again, a super nice guy. This was actually the first thing he ever worked on. And um he has a very unique style. It's very um I don't even know how how to put it. He does you know, he does a lot of grayscaling. Um you can you can actually see if, when when you get the trade, if you follow through the trade you see his style progresses and gets better with each issue. And by the by the time we get to these deleted scenes we added back, it's almost like looking at a new artist. He's really His style really has improved over the years. But yeah, I found him on the internet through, I think, digital webbing. His price was right. He was a super nice guy. And uh, we worked well together, except there was him being from Uruguay. There was a few language barrier issues, a few jokes that I didn't get of his, and a few jokes of mine he didn't get. But uh, we worked through it, you know?
0: That's cool. Um, You guys, I don't know... um so we, we, there's Archer there's another one which I kind of like the artwork uh, sold mm-hmm. um, there's something fun about it almost cartoony to it uh, okay. uh, the artist is uh, let me see the name of the artist uh, it's, it's Zach Bassett actually yeah well you can see that the artist is, is not exactly there but uh, in a couple of years the artist will be very cool the work will well, be cool to look at. Uh, it's kind of fun.
3: Zach's a great guy. I hooked up with him at MegaCon a few years back, and he was a, you know, fresh out of uh, SCAD, which is the Savannah school. Of oh, Modern I know Design. SCAD.
0: SCAD's a good school.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was fresh out, and he, um, he was looking for work, and he was hungry for work. So we, we started working together. We actually still are working together, and um, we're actually developing some new projects that we're hoping to get out this year as well with him actually filling in as a writer. The, um, he's a great guy, and he brought along with him the inkers, um, James Wynat. They actually were both SCAD graduates, and um, they worked very well together. And, oh, again, over the years, the last I've only known him for about a year and a half, maybe two years, but over time, you're, I'm actually watching Justin get better and better each time.
0: Okay. Yeah, SCAD is a great school. For people who don't know, SCAD is a, the Savannah School of Art and Design. Um, it's a school, it's one of the few schools in the where they offer a comic book uh, degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so they offer a comic book degree, even a master's in comic book art. It's a great school full of, filled with artists. Um, it's a very good school. I visited SCAD way back. Um, and I know Philip Schweier, which is one of our writers at The Bin, is quite familiar with them because he lives in Savannah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of those schools, just like the Jack Kirby School in the School of, uh, of Visual Arts in New York, that creates great comic book artists. So um, I'm always... Joe, that Joe schools, Cooper School as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Joe Cooper School is great. I mean, so schools like that, like, we need to uh, push them, uh, you know, encourage people to find out more about those schools because they do train artists quite well in the field of comics. Oh, and, sure,
3: yeah. Now, again, I, I graduated from the Art Institute, but to hear Zach and um and, and James talk about SCAD, it was... um. Their description of it's just this creative environment where everybody's trying to help everybody just become more creative yeah. and to improve their talents. It's um, they say beyond just the classes. It's just the whole environment of the school.
0: Yeah, I know. I've I've visited SCAD way back. It's a great school. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you guys want to jump in a bit?
1: Sure. I mean, let's let's talk about some of these other books here. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, everybody. 100% about the art in and, uh, and Soul it is, it is a lot of fun there's some panels here I'm looking at I'm just scrolling through it now really quickly into PDF version but
0: sorry about okay. the noise what's that? I can't stop the noise <laughs>
1: uh, I, I can't hear it myself okay, I, but... can't stop, I can't stop the music <laughs> <laughs> please don't
2: no
0: it's pets you can't control pets right?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have you... trouble with my cats too all the time <laughs> oh boy <laughs> All right, here, here's what I'm looking at. Um, I'm looking at decisions right now. So, like, tell, tell me a little bit about this one, because I mean, I'm four pages in on decision, right? And here's, here's the line. It was quite shocking. I am your aborted fetus. Tell us, tell us about a book that includes <laughs> that as a piece of dialogue. <laughs> well, you had, you had to pull that one piece out. You know? Well, I mean, uh. four pages in, I just, I just frame it for me. Like, how does, how does. Uh, Dis- discuss how, how um, a comic that well, includes that line in dialogue.
3: <laughs> well, the, the story is actually about – that. there's actually two stories in the book. The first story follows um, – uh, to be honest, the, the stories came from my life. Like the girl in the first story, her name is Tanya in the story, we've all known this girl. I mean I've, I've known this girl in different forms throughout my life. It's that girl you know in high school who just who starts making the wrong decisions, goes down the wrong path, and by the time she's 18, she has two kids you know it's, it's that kind of situation and that, that's where the where the story picks up i mean really that line is just more for shock value than anything because in essence, this character
1: who shows up—it's oh, up it's, the, it's the definition of one of the characters in the story. <laughs> yeah, I know.
3: The um, she, to call her the—I, you know—the funny thing was when because the character actually doesn't have a name in the script; it just says fetus. Yeah, you know, so it's—it's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting just to read the raw script on that. But what it is is this character is the future child of this girl Tanya, who's at this party, and you know she's she's a she's a young naive girl. She's about to. Um, to sleep with this guy, Tony, who she barely even knows. It's one of the situations we all know that girl. Again, like I said, we all knew that girl in high school. And so this character from this, from Tanya's future comes to her and tells her, you need to not, you just need to think about the consequences of what you're about to do. Mm -hmm. She's like, bitch back off. But the, um, the, the character of Tanya then takes her into, into the different futures she can have. One of the futures is she gets pregnant, has an abortion. Okay, well, she doesn't want to go that route. So the fetus takes her and shows her what happens if she keeps the child. Well, that doesn't work. And she shows her what happens if she puts the child up for adoption, and that doesn't work. The, the point I was just trying to make is we make these decisions in life, you know, real, real quick decisions that we don't actually think about the consequences. But, you know, I know some mistakes I made in high school and ju- even junior high school. I'm still living with the repercussions today. And that's just kind of, kind of what I wanted to do with the story was just to say, Take two minutes and just think about what you're about to do, and think about what can have, what can come of it. So that that's the um, the gist of the story. And like I say, that line is it's, it's shocking. And in essence, she really is her aborted fetus, or she's a child she put up for adoption, or she's the child she kept and couldn't take care of.
0: So it's not like a, a piece um, a pro life piece, right?
3: No, it's not. It's not pro or anti abortion. It's just. It's okay. just. Um, It's just a story that tells you what can happen. Like, I I don't, I don't condemn abortion in the book. I don't condemn adoption. I don't condemn keeping a teenage mother keeping her child. But I've, I've known from my own personal experience the hardships and struggles that a lot of teen moms have faced. And they don't think about it at the time. But then the, the next like four or five years of their life are almost hell as they have to get through it and they're forced to grow up, grow up real fast. And, you know, this is my chance to tell one girl to say, Hey, slow down a little bit. This is what
1: I'm doing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a bleak piece, to be sure. It's, um, and then we're, we're dealing with things, I think, in the next story. I didn't, I didn't get that far, and I'm just uh, past the first section, but we're getting into uh, to suicide as well, right?
3: Right. The second story um, is about a guy who gets divorced, and he's contemplating putting a bullet through his head. And um, my approach to the story is, like I mentioned earlier, I have an ex-wife. Divorce is a hard thing. You know, a lot of people don't realize how hard divorce is. When I got divorced, my wife just left. It wasn't as if I had any choice in the matter. She decided she wanted something else out of life and left. And I actually, to be honest with you, since the day our divorce was final, I haven't seen her since. And she lives maybe a half mile from my house. The um, so my approach to the story was: a lot of people, when you get divorced, they say, "Ah, get over it." You know, let's get back on the wagon, find another girl. There's more fish out there. Yada, yada, yada. But if something were to happen to your wife and she died in a horrible car crash, people wouldn't say, oh, get back on the horse, get out there. But to somebody who's been divorced, that's kind of the scenario. You had this person you loved and you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, and now they're gone. So that was kind of my approach to this character who's on the brink of um, suicide. And then he's visited by his son, again, following a very similar theme to the first story. He's visited by his son, who shows up and says, "Listen, if you can just hang on, you're going to meet somebody, and your life's going to get better. You're going to you're going to have a child. That child is me. Please don't do this." And that was the gist of that story.
0: So, what what do you think about suicide, Andy? Don't laugh. Um,
3: not, I, I, it's hard to be pro suicide. I'm just going to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. Andy I'm knows not why you can't not laugh. Pro suicide am not against suicide. No,
0: because <laughs> no, Andy knows well. He, He's one of my best friends, so he knows everything. So tell me about suicide. Talking to me? Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, I, about suicide? It's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. My, my current wife's brother had killed, has killed, killed himself. I mean, has killed himself. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a wrecking ball through somebody's family. I mean, obviously the person's life's over, and that's a sad situation unto itself, but it leaves wreckage that um, takes years and years and sometimes never goes away. So, I mean,
0: it's, I'm, I'm not pro-suicide. I am not pro i do not know what... No, no, suicide. I'm not pro-suicide, don't worry. <laughs> I
1: didn't know that was an actual thing.
2: No, no, no. no
1: are, you, are you accusing me of being pro-suicide? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was no, <laughs> you going to talk to somebody, Andy? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no I mean I'm looking at this book here. We got we got a, abortion and suicide in the same. Like I'm not I'm not making light of anything like here. Yeah, don't take this the wrong way. It's like this. Is, these are two dark topics. I mean, yeah, I know. Suicide you... is not dark, Andy. She <laughs> <laughs> tried to
3: urge you to commit suicide. Is that
0: I mean, why? I, I, me? I don't know. No, I've never tried to commit suicide, but I know everything about suicide. That's why. Okay. <laughs>
1: He's an expert.
0: I'm an expert on suicide. That's why. I
1: didn't. It, that idea, I wasn't big either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's an expert on something. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, uh, here's two dark topics, and, and I this is packaged just one one complete book. I'm assuming, like, right, right. Is this this where the series goes? Is it, is it? Uh, are, are we taking on these these really dark topics? And like, in in both cases, in, in the first book, I guess we have. Um, people in, in, uh, hopeless situations, essentially, like the girl at the party, she, she's, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the odds are against her. And like you said, we all know someone like this. You're just putting yourself in the, in the position of like, what, what would take, what would it take to get this person out of here? You know what I mean? Like the darkest time in their life, what, what would, what would change things for this person? And the same with the suicide. I mean, most times when people are sitting there with the gun on the table, um, that, that person doesn't appear. Like, is this, you're trying to bring hope into these hopeless situations? Is that, is that what categorizes this, uh, or is that, is, is yeah, that, is that like, how you see this series? You know,
3: it, yeah, you really have me thinking about my own work now. Uh, I'm gonna spoil, I'm gonna That's good? spoil, the- I'm gonna spoil the book right now. No, no, don't. No, for- it no. for a while, I'm just gonna spoil it. In the first story, obviously, she talks, and she sees how bleak her future can be by this one action she's gonna take, and then the character decides not to take it so in, in essence you have this horribly bleak story which has kind of a happy ending because she did, she decides to go left instead of right so I guess that's my happy story even though it's It's full of horrible imagery and when Zach there's actually a scene of an abortion in there and when Zach drew it I don't know what, I, I, obviously he's no expert on abortions either but he drew the doctor <laughs> like elbow. just <laughs> it no. like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's classic it is classic I think he was going for the lungs, not the baby. But the um,
1: so that that was the first story. And the second story, you have this guy who's on the verge. Just on, back to that picture for a second. Now it's it's almost it's almost sexy in a weird way. But whoa! No, never mind. He's gone. <laughs> oh my. Oh, in a
2: very in a very dramatic sense, it's sexy.
1: <laughs> Abortion. There's anyway, two people <laughs> watching. Anyway, sorry, I don't know I don't mean to, <laughs> no, I right. to go on about it. But anyway,
3: there's two other women in the room. Um, yeah. <laughs> and neither of them look like it's a sexy experience to them. But yeah. anyways, the um, and then the second story has this guy who's on the he's on the verge of death. This is as bad as it's going to get for this guy, and he's visited by his son saying the future's bright. So you have this end again. Spoiler: the guy so offs himself at the end of the story the um so it's like there wasn't there wasn't enough to pull him out of it but the um so what I've what I've done with that second story is I've made it look the future's bright hold on and then the guy kills himself in the first story the future sucks and the girl changes her future so I don't know what that says about me now I'm I'm looking back at it but uh so there are there is a light there's happy points in the story so don't just think it's totally I think it's all of one panel but there's happy points in the story just hold just find that panel and focus on that the, uh, sure, the second issue sure. is a lot I promise the second issue is a lot lighter. It deals with a girl who falls on a log and crushes her womb and can't have her own can't have kids so clearly it's a it's a happy piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and, and then so what we do with the at the end of the first issue of decisions we end up with these two characters who just don't exist the one's father has killed himself so he'll never be born and the the girl her mother doesn't have this sex with this weirdo at a party so she is never born so then at the end of that story you have these two characters who just don't exist but clearly they do in the context of our story or our narrative and then they follow on into the following issues huh
0: that's interesting yeah.
3: There is no paradox, right? <laughs> that's what Jonathan yeah. Nixon would say. <laughs> so, anyways, that's that's decisions in a nutshell. I've just spoiled the first issue, but hopefully, people will still buy you that manga. Hey, hey, it's
1: it's worth it for the uh, the few panels that we mentioned before. <laughs> 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 Whoa! If nothing it's else, okay. I mean, I mean, it's it's interesting, but uh, the 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 abortion scene alone. Classic. <laughs> I definitely would get a poster me to that for the convention. If, if there was an annual award for best abortion scene, oh! you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll,
3: I'll pass on your sentiment to Zach. So we're Please do. <laughs> that'll, be new, that'll
2: be a new category of the bitties, I think.
0: Oh, boy.
1: Now we've totally sidetracked everything. <laughs> Off the rails.
0: Ooh. Oh, boy. Okay, let's talk about suicide then.
3: <laughs> yes. uh, and the, the, just to keep focusing on this heart, this, this great book, this great book, The, um, the Staple, where the staple fell in the, in the story, is this half-naked girl in bed with this guy getting out of Alphamore underneath the sheets. And so at the convention on the table, whenever anybody opens the book, that's the page it opens up to. So you know. <laughs> this book definitely leaves impressions on people. So <laughs> right. don't I sell the copies, man.
1: Yeah. So what's what's been the um like uh, of of your books that you um that you have available now? What's been the uh, the real surprise of I guess the um, the audience's um, opinion or what's the fan favorite right now? What's what's surprised you about so, that
3: people to? Believe it. It's that book, Decisions. Really? That's sold probably the most out of all the books.
1: Well, I'm, actually, I'm not, I'm not
3: surprised considering,
1: but, um, so what's the feedback been?
3: The feedback's been, um, you know, oh, that was tough, but it's really good. You know, that's kind of the, the, the basics of what I get. I get some people saying it made me cry, you know, and things like that. So it's, um, you know, I, I make sure I tell the parents, you know, this is not for the kiddies, but, uh. Yeah, I've got, I've gotten good feedback from that book. Um, Arthur's gotten a lot of good feedback too, because there's just a lot of fans of the Arthurian legend, and they'll eat up anything you um you put King Arthur into. <laughs> That's a good plug for the book. <laughs> it can, so, suck, yeah. but it's got King Arthur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was the I mean, again, I, I sold has done well. It just, it, its our newer—it's a newer title, so it hasn't quite sold as much as *Decisions* or *Arthur*. Okay,
2: well, to, to agree with these guys, I, I do love the artwork on *Sold*. It kind of reminds me of maybe—I um, don't know—a little bit like uh, Avon Oming, uh, you know, Powers era. Just a a, a little bit. It's it's cool. It, it's definitely pops. I guess.
3: <laughs> there you go. Good. Yeah, we're we're proud of it. We like it. The. Um, Actually, and I should mention the colors on the book too, are by Kevin Ziegler, who's a, again another SCAD graduate who um, I, I met through Zach and James, my 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 pencilist, penciler, and color, and inker, inker, inker,
1: inker. Inker. So you're you're uh, selling these things at um, you're selling your comics at uh, shows. So that that's probably a, that you know that's a good way to get in front of fans. But what else do you do in between the shows to um, get the word out there?
3: Well, we do. Um, I have a decent relationship with. Uh, I'm familiar with a comic book – online comic seller, DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. Yeah, they um, they uh, they do a great job of getting my books out there. I've sold a lot through them. I actually have Decisions Issue One up again at fifty percent If you want to see an abortion, go to DCBS right now, fifty percent <laughs> off the cover price. <laughs> it's only a dollar
1: seventy-five. For hey, Iraq you're not going to find abortion. A cheaper abortion comic <laughs> on the market,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Andy. And with, are you and sure you want like to stop doing wallets? Either, you know, <laughs> Andy, either
3: for or against suicide. This book's for you. you know?
0: <laughs> Andy, are you sure you want to stop doing comic wallets? <laughs> Did I commission one. What
1: <laughs> about? Oh man, that would be a great company, <laughs> we, we can't we can't get over this. Okay. Anyway, aside aside from um, relationships with uh, with uh, that, that website you mentioned it. What about social media? Are you, guys, uh, are you guys out there on Twitter and doing that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I spent this year kind of just under, understanding the, tw- the sphere. I guess. It took me a while to adapt to that. We've been using the Facebook for a while. Um, we, do, um, we do a fair share of business just through our website, selling them online. Um, not as much as I would like, obviously. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, once we, if we can get, just get our hands on that brass ring of diamond distributors, we'll be okay
2: just trying to trying to
0: get that door open I think I think that um, for something like even like something like decisions mm-hmm. you know what there's a big market out there that is not the diamond people that we the people who order to diamond and, and the local comic book shop that's not your audience there's so many other places that you could put this book uh, because it's it's not a traditional comic book and this comic book could appeal to a lot more people and I'm pretty sure uh, it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy, easy to get them there. Um, I th- Dan, I think we were discussing the Starbucks comics once. <laughs> yeah. and, and the stuff. Mm. Uh, Star
2: Starbucks isn't, isn't the best comic shop or uh, coffee shop to uh, go after. It's not the easiest one, I guess.
0: <laughs> but, no, but I,
2: yeah, the, the coffee the coffee shop thing is. I think is a that's a good venue for a comic book.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I put a Kickstarter a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I put it, I haven't touched it, but there is a Kickstarter to, to create a magazine, Comic Book build magazine, to put comics in Starbucks. But that's something else. I mean, because we, we had the idea. It was a crazy idea. Man, this is a fun podcast, by the way
3: <laughs> No, there, there, there's no crazy idea so, you, so you're saying you were trying to get magazines in the Starbucks? No, I
0: mean, we were just talking about where to put comics And then we said, let's put them on Starbucks And then and we were just talking And we said, okay, let's open a Kickstarter And I did
2: <laughs> You are not impulsive, sir <laughs> In any way <laughs>
0: I never did anything with it, but it, it's there. I mean, maybe Wendy will do something with it for half time.
2: You'll log in like two weeks from now and you'll have $100,000. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: Hundred
3: five hundred percent of your goal has been met.
0: So to flip the, flip the topic real quick, are you guys big supporters of Kickstarter? Uh, Andy, talk about Kickstarter. I, I tweeted about that last week. Did you know that Andy had the idea for Kickstarter in a, a form similar to Kickstarter, five years ago. Oh. But because of a douchebag again! <laughs> a douchebag that would call him at his home! It, oh my goodness! Uh, no. that's, that's, <laughs> this, that's the motif today. <laughs> no! He had the idea with another friend of ours five years ago, and this douchebag killed it!
1: Yeah. It died. He could have been the Kickstarter guy. I could have been the Kickstarter guy. But now the douchebag killed it. Yes. <laughs> so you know what uh, about Kickstarter? Though, and I, I said this during the whole time. I made like a hundred, a hundred pitches to like investors and stuff like that, um, uh, saying like if because this this I didn't mean, I don't necessarily think I, I came up with the idea, but I mean there was a lot of the same ideas kind of it's crowdsourcing. They were bubbling at the surface, so I mean, we were one of many people talking about the same type of thing. And one of the things I always said during the pitches to bring bring it back to Kickstarter is, if I don't, if we don't capitalize on this idea, this is the type of idea that I would support as a uh, user, you know. And and I got out there and and I I supported a few Kickstarter projects. There was specifically there was the uh, RoboCop in Detroit uh, project that I got on. Oh, the statue they were on the yeah statue of RoboCop in Detroit. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's then, about uh, the only, only good thing
2: besides cars that have come out of Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, no, come
1: out of Detroit.
3: But Beverly Hills Cop came out of Detroit. What are you talking yeah. about? No, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> and then there was there was also a similar uh, idea to Kickstarter called Cella Band. They were kind of moving in that same space back in the day that I was there, and uh, five years ago, he's a yeah, genius. This ago. guy. Yeah, they're, they're, they've, they've gone nowhere. But anyway, um, that's my take on Kickstarter. It's, it's, it's a novelty. But what are your thoughts on it?
3: Well, I can't get—I can't wrap my brain around Kickstarter. I keep, um, the guys I work with, Zach especially, keep saying we should do a Kickstarter program for our next project, yada yada. But I don't know. I just can't see it asking people to give me money for something that doesn't exist yet. It's—I uh, don't know. It goes against my you know 1980s upbringing. You know, it's just like it seems to me that. Uh, I have product to sell. If I can't sell my product to generate enough money to produce yeah. the next product, then I'm not making good products
1: and I should just stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely, I, I see that that's the that's the flaw in a lot of this thinking is that uh, I don't think, I don't actually think there is a statue of RoboCop in Detroit yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these guys could have got money. <laughs>
2: so where is this money for... going?
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> What's that? Well, that's, I said, where is this money going then? yeah just to the just to the people that start the the profile pretty much Well, yeah where's
1: the where's the accountability right like this this yeah.
2: well that's well, me
1: and uh, herbiey
2: were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you remember the survey on um one of the podcasts mm-hmm. but uh one of the big comics projects uh the two creators had had a falling out yeah, like, this yeah right right after they collected like all of their investments, you know, then they broke the news, oh, we're not working together anymore. But it's like, well, what happens to the investors' money then? It it stays with those creators that
1: had the falling out, or does it get returned? No, because you know <laughs> what? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that's that, that. That's why these these things and and ideas like mine didn't really fly because you don't you're not investing, right? The SEC uh, the SEC allows um, Wall Street companies to to rob the old ladies blind, but yeah. you can't sell. Shares in your uh, independent film project or independent comic project because they think that's being predatory, right? Mm-hmm. So, so places like Kickstarter and Taliban, you're not actually buying anything. That's kind of the myth. It's a donations. Yeah. It's actually donate. It's essentially a donation. So there, <clears throat> there really is zero accountability. So, if mm-hmm. you're the kind of person that doesn't mind taking money, free money, off people, and you're good at uh, marketing yourself, <laughs> yeah. go on Kickstarter, fire it up. Why not?
3: Yeah, see that's the thing you're taking free money from people. I just I have an issue with taking things. From well, it, I it,
1: want to it, give them something. You know. You know, and it, it's like, uh, if you think about uh, what's everybody was telling me the name of it. What's the name of the law? The eighty twenty law. Anyway, the, or the principle of 80 percent twenty percent. But like eighty percent of the projects on there are gonna get yeah. Twenty percent of the projects get all the money, but then if you take that twenty percent, eighty percent of the projects that get money probably. Don't spend that money on the projects. You know what I mean? And, and it's the the twenty percent suckers actually use the money towards the thing they say they're going to do.
3: Hmm.
1: We'll see. That's my wanna... impression. Of it. I'd be surprised if it was uh, any other way.
3: And I guess that's this way. I don't want to get lumped into that kind of whole scenario of like people not trusting and and then the whole thing with like a lot. You have to set your um your bars or whatever your goals. You know your people contribute ten dollars, they get. You promise to do this or whatever. Like, I don't want to have to try to draw you into my comic book because you gave me $100. Yeah, but, but think about the second thing.
0: comic book. The second comic book, you get even more money because people trust you now.
3: Yeah, but again, if, if if my first comic book was good, wouldn't I have sold enough to justify making the second? Why do I need to go back and try to get more money?
0: So you're saying bootstrapping is better? <laughs>
3: Well, I'm just saying that I don't know. It just seems that I should be able to earn my, you know, get my own money. I don't I shouldn't have to go begging people to give me money.
0: You're not begging. It's like it's it's like all the big companies. They sell shares and people put money in it.
3: <laughs> I understand. I understand economics and all that. It just it just feels <laughs> weird to me. Yeah,
2: yeah I don't know.
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm are with you 100. Well,
2: here, uh, like, are
1: we getting uh, some I, some Catholic guilt here?
0: Please. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh man, I don't
2: know. American, maybe I'll take tell... That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 to kind of, um, the, I, I think there are some really, uh, uh, advantageous things to Kickstarter though. Uh, Herbie and I also talked about this. I think, um, it's a good way to, uh, get around censorship, um, and editorial censorship. And Diamond. And diamond, yep. And I think uh, it's a good way to get. I think it's a good way to get ideas out there that normally wouldn't get through that fine-tooth comb, and not necessarily because they're not of uh, like an outstanding quality, but because they don't fit a publisher's, uh, you know, mission statement or what they deem as uh,
1: um, profitable. So I think. But, you, know, you think there's, there's any evidence that like it's really creating uh like grassroots support for these uh like independent projects based on how you know edgy they are or, or different no, they are? I I don't think so. I mean because yeah, it seems to be the ones the ones that get that bubble to the top are the ones that get support somewhere else like uh, yeah, Boing Boing or something like that, right? The the one the one that's doing really well right now is like a Dungeons & Dragons
2: comic book, um and uh, the one that just went over like one point five million was uh, a video game that you know is being made by veteran um game designers so you're right i mean it's it's all stuff that you know, does garner um support elsewhere so uh, but I'm just saying the possibility is there for something um you know amazing to come out of it uh, <laughs> It's not an endorsement but I'm just saying
3: back when I was you, know, you know, dabbling in film and whatnot the, um, I could see you know doing an independent film and because you, know, you need a lot of money to do an independent film mm-hmm. but um, and, you, know, and you try to find investors when you're making a movie there's no, um, there's no way around that but uh, for comics you know, it's not that expensive of a venture. Yeah, yeah, that's why I feel like ooh, I'm trying to raise two thousand dollars. You
0: know, one thing I would yeah. like to say about I mean, comics—I have
3: to wonder where, <laughs> why they need that much money
2: to make like a web comic or something. Right, right. <laughs> they, they need that to buy their Cheetos, is what they need.
0: <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. One, one thing I think anyone listening in should—I mean, just because you put your project on Kickstarter doesn't mean that you're going to get money from it and that you're going to become a big star. Uh, As Andy just mentioned, most of the projects are probably going to fail. So if you do put your stuff on Kickstarter, there's a lot of work that you need to do. First of all, to talk to your public, talk to people who finance you and convince them and then deliver the the product. So it's not very, it's not an easy thing. It seems that Kickstarter is this new thing because people have discovered a few, there's a few like uh, success stories and now everyone's going to just go and just like I did two weeks ago, just going to go dump something <laughs> on, on Kickstarter and not even, and think, oh, money's just going to come in. But I mean, you, ha- you have to get the what's in it for me for the, for the user, uh, the user. Oh boy, wrong industry. <laughs> it's after five. It's not users. It's readers. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get a what's in it for me for the reader. And if you can't convince them, whether you put them on Kickstarter or whatever, it's not going to work.
3: Fair enough, true. And to be honest with you, I've I've put a few bucks on you know into people's projects at Kickstarter. And part of me in the back of my mind, when I see they don't get funding, I don't have to pay it. I'm like, yes, and you know, I save that thirty bucks. You know, <laughs> 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 I'm a bad person. Sorry. I, think, I think you might be
2: a compulsive gambler, man. <laughs> All my money on black! <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, anyways. Yeah, so maybe I'll be on Kickstarter this
0: year. I don't know.
3: Yay! Yeah. <sighs> we, we sold you on it in the end. Hey, <laughs> hey, somehow. Just do it. Who
2: cares,
1: right? Do it like everybody. Yeah, just start it up. And. Well, I mean, it's it's like effortless, you know? Yeah, By you know the way, happens.
0: people should go and put money on the comic book bin Kickstarter thing.
1: I'm going I'm yeah, yeah. to start one tonight, actually. <laughs> Uh, I'm
2: gonna start one that's uh, Dan's
0: rent. <laughs> well that's like what what was it, that project that we worked on? The other one, the charity one, what was it? Um the Robin Hood Fund. Remember that oh, one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we worked together way back on a crazy company. At a crazy company. And we had something called the Robin Hood Fund. And you had to people had to make a pitch about why you should give them money. And people actually made pictures and they and they would film like youtube videos and and beg, well, I need money for i don 't know go on vacation in Hawaii and they would make songs and and stuff and and have those big pictures and people would just throw money at those people. Some people actually gambled the system so much they make tons of money on it, so that was called the Robin Hood fund i don't know what it's called today um but Thank uh, God. oh yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sounds more honest than Kickstarter. It isn't like, hey, I'm making my comic book. I need five grand, though it only takes two, you know, and I'm going to pocket three. At least these guys are honest. I'm going to Hawaii, you
0: know. Well, that was fun. But then, Anyways. <laughs> uh, is there anything that happened in the world of comics this week besides Ghost Rider? New episode of The Walking Dead. (laughs) Oh, oh, of course. And there's a comic series, comic something.
1: Hey, can I ask you guys a question about The Walking Dead? Because do you guys enjoy like zombie genre comics and television shows? Um, Well, it depends, man. I
2: I actually wrote about this pretty extensively uh, a couple months ago, maybe. Okay. But it was it was it was that I was uh, a discerning zombie fan. Like I liked the original Night of the Living Dead, you know Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead from '68, and I like um, Twenty Eight Days Later, and that's oh, and the Dawn of the Dead remake. I like. Um, that's pretty much it. And uh, comics-wise, like I'm actually not a fan of Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead comic book.
1: No, I I, but, I, I, I I'm not either. I, yeah, I, it's. I think I, it's really boring and shallow. And yeah, the characters are, are bad. characters are. Yeah,
2: it's bad. But uh, the the TV series is cool, man. It's
1: you know, I I like it a lot. It's it's pretty um. I okay, here's my take on you guys can tell me I'm crazy, or whatever. Sure. But I I can't cool. stand I can't stand the zombie genre at all. Cause, really. <laughs> I mean, no. And here's the thing, maybe in twenty years, uh, providing that um, you know, we have a bright future. We'll be able to look back and, and look at this generation as one of the greatest, um, chroniclers of, of their age by all the zo- zombie, zombie material that came out. But I mean, <laughs> if I want to see a bunch of mindless people uh, shuffling about, I just go to Walmart, you know? It's, it's, it's <laughs> painful to watch or read oh, about. <laughs> I'm serious though, so I can't stand it. And the comic
0: book bin podcast was, was brought to you by Walmart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But not not just Walmart. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's mindless people everywhere. Like there's yeah
2: yeah uh, no, I totally
1: get that man. So it, is, it's it's because it's cool to see mindless people get shot. in that no that's like... no. Well, the thing
2: like um,
1: I think I like Romero's original Night of Living
2: Dead because it was uh, I saw it when I was a little kid and I would never seen anything like that before.
1: you yeah. because there were monsters back then, right? Like, yeah, oh God, exactly. What happened, yep. Right. Yeah. I think now it's like, look all about you. How do people come by this? Yeah.
2: But it, but then you've got, um, things like, um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead and, uh, the Walking Dead TV series and, um, 28 Days Later. I think those are more, uh, characters that, more, they're more about the people in that situation than they are about the zombies, you know. Whereas, uh, some of the other Romero movies that have gone, like, straight to, uh, DVD and, um, even some of the ones that were in theaters are just about zombies, and I can't stand that either. It's like that's not interesting to me. Are you I, saying
0: I Legend, I Am Legend, was not good with Will Smith?
2: No, I didn't like I Am Legend at all. <laughs> but it's a Will Smith
0: movie.
3: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. So I have to like it, right? <laughs> Well, let me let me ask you this: With Walking Dead, the TV series, I've seen a little bit of it. I, I, it's enjoyable. I'm not, there's nothing bad to say about it. Mm-hmm. But is it is it so quote unquote so good because it's on TV and they're they're pushing the envelope, or is it actually so good? You know, because it's like this: Ooh, they just blew a guy's head up on TV. That's incredible.
2: <laughs> you know? yeah, there's not a whole lot of that though. There is, wait, well, well, I think I think it is. Um, there is some shock value to it, just like uh, I have your unborn fetus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but, uh, no, the, I think the zombies are going to become fetuses. What,
2: what, what really zombie <laughs> fetus? Wait a minute. There you go. I'm <laughs> dead. It, um, <laughs> it's been done. It's been done. What about a zombie fetus? Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say is the the TV show actually takes. <laughs> It takes a like a personal investment it's it's a slow burn it definitely is. Um, if you were to watch one episode, uh, what you would probably get out of it is this is boring and it just has a bunch of zombies getting shot. but if you watch the series uh, as a whole it's 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 a really um, encompassing character study and uh, it takes like Andy, you read the comics and
1: you thought the characters sucked as well <laughs> yeah i I, I felt. I, I felt like I was getting sucked in. It, I think it was exactly that. It was it was a, it was a slow burn of the series as well. It was like at the end of like I was reading the, the, the collected volumes, and I think by yeah. by the issue of any, uh, volume nine, like <laughs> I was like I don't care for anybody in this stupid story. And I put <laughs> I, I put I put it down. Like, I hope the zombies do get them after all. Like, I feel like
2: the characters in the TV show are a lot different um, than they are in the comic book series, and I feel like they're being utilized differently as well. Like. Shane dies in the comic book series and, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> he dies in the comic book series in like, uh, issue five or six, and he was really the only interesting character, I thought, in the, in the entire cast. But, uh, they've changed that for the, uh, the TV show, like, he's one of the main characters and will continue to be so until, you know, he eventually gets off. <laughs> so, I, I feel like, um, They juxtapose the original uh, characters enough that it makes it uh, actually a really good character study. You know?
1: well, well, i I'm gonna, I'm gonna I gave it four episodes and I said these are this these are kind of roundabout the same way except you know more more uh, uh, melodrama you know more more drama to it I guess. I yeah. think the characters, I guess, they did have a little bit more depth, but it wasn't the type of depth I guess I was looking for in a post-apocalyptic zombie <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, on a TV
3: series, though, they have the luxury of, like, say, so the character who stays alive longer on the show than he did in the comic, of mm. having test audiences. know, the exactly. They're always getting audience feedback, and they'll alter the show to match the audience feedback, where you don't get the impression Kirkman really alters too much for the audience.
1: Yeah, and I I
3: feel like he didn't
2: add that curious
1: feedback. I understand
2: that. Yeah, um, I think that's where uh, the TV series succeeds too. Is that you know they they did make those those alterations, which is um, awesome. Because when I, when I read the Walking Dead comic book, it, I couldn't get into it. And then there was Shane, and I was like, this guy is pretty complex, actually. You know, maybe he. It's going to be interesting, and then you know the next issue he's getting shot through the throat or something, and I'm like, okay, not interested anymore.
1: Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you that's... guys know that uh, Ned gets his head cut off in the the end of Game of uh, Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't get those channels. <laughs> You should
3: start a Kickstarter though, Dan's <laughs> HBO fund. <laughs> <laughs> but, but speaking of zombies, you guys—I guess I was seeing on your site uh, last episode—you had Rob Anderson on from uh, Yeah, Rex the Zombie Killer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we did. That is the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Yeah. He, um, I, um, I had bought, uh, I met him at Heroes Con in 2010 and he's, he always tells everybody I was the first person ever to buy his comic book. The, um, at the time he was doing Panda Dog. I don't know if you're familiar with that title, if you even talked about it on your show or not. But, um, the a story about a half dog, half panda. But, (laughs) uh, hey, it sold well at the show. The, um, but he hooked up with, I guess, Tom Hutchison last, uh, I don't know if you talked about this, um, at HeroesCon last year, now they're um, they're working together on new projects, and obviously Rex, the zombie killer, so and yeah. that's in previews right now. So I encourage everybody to whether you like zombies or not, everybody likes dogs and gorillas. So I recommend everybody to pick up that book, especially gorillas with baseball bats. It's uh, <laughs>
2: just awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole podcast about that from last week.
2: <laughs> yeah, yep. It's callback. Um, yeah. So we're, we're establishing continuity. We're kind of like the new Fifty Two, I guess.
0: Oh boy! Um, there was a new TV show about with Kevin Smith, right?
2: Yeah, Comic Book Man wasn't really about Kevin Smith so much as it was about his uh, comic shop in New Jersey and and the uh, the guys that run it.
0: I hear there was a woman with the uh, with dolls. doll. Yeah. The
2: Chucky doll. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is like, I thought the show started out really uninteresting and kind of boring, but by like the end of it, show? yeah, it is, it is a reality show. But by the end of it, I was, <laughs> I was amused. I thought it was really funny. Um, but the thing is, it's not uh, showing comic stores in a very good light. Like I would never want to visit that store. <laughs> With the the cre- There was some crazy people coming in. Like there was a guy that, came in with a handcuffed, uh, a, brief, a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist. And uh, they were like, oh, man, this guy's got, you know, like Detective 27 or uh, Action Comics number one. And he opens it up and it's just a bunch of uh, Dawn of the Dead uh, promotional crap from Australia. And they're like, OK, like <laughs> Wait, well, know,
3: well, what's the what's the concept of the show? People just come and sell crap to the comic store. Yeah, it's,
2: it's pretty much these guys sit around, they talk about, uh, comic books, um and then it's kind of like, uh, pawn stars half the time.
3: <laughs> you know? Oh, really?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's strange, it doesn't, I don't think it represented, uh, comic book shops very, very nicely, but I think, um <laughs> also it, it stereotypes, uh, comic book, you know, the quote-unquote comic book man pretty, uh, Uh, negatively, I think. But um, I got some laughs out of it. I thought it was funny.
0: Hmm. Well, that's Kevin Smith.
2: (laughs) He directs it, or he
1: just names attached to the store?
2: Uh, He's actually in it a little bit. Um, He he does a podcast with uh, the guys from the shop. Um, I don't know if it's weekly or monthly. Uh, I don't listen to his podcast. (laughs) Uh, But... um, so part of the show is just them sitting around, uh, and it's, you know, snippets of that podcast.
0: Wow. Ah.
3: Really? No, <laughs>
0: yeah. oh, that's lame.
2: A bunch, a bunch of overweight, uh, pimply guys, you know, sitting around, it was, uh, enthralling. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, it was, uh, <laughs> it was good for some laughs at least.
3: <laughs> so do you think it's going to hurt the industry more than help it?
2: I don't think enough people are going to pay attention to it to really make a difference. <laughs> I think I think everybody that tuned into it was, you know, uh, comic book bloggers, and uh, <laughs> that was
0: about it. Uh, Dan, you're you cutting down. I am. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, hey, okay. I can hear you now. Oh, all right. Okay. So um, another topic, just like that, um, as. Any of you watch Br- uh, Brad Meltzer, Decoded or Encoded? I don't know what the name yeah, is.
2: Yeah, D- Decoded, yeah, I've seen
0: it. Is it good?
2: Um, sorry. It's like, uh, it, <laughs> if you liked um, Da Vinci Code-type conspiracies, except without, like, a climax at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of like that. I mean, it's like, they bring up these conspiracies and then, um, uh, present all the facts and then just kind of leave it as open-ended as it started, you know, like the the one that I had seen was, um, I think it was about Hitler's, uh, blood stain in, um, the Russian museum where they had taken like a piece of his skull and stuff. And at the end of the the series, at the end of the episode, they were just kind of like, uh, we don't think it's Hitler's skull, but, you know, we really have no clue, and we can't substantiate any of our evidence. So it's it was like somebody's a, skull. It
1: was yeah. someone.
2: <laughs> exactly. Riveting.
0: <Yeah. laughs>
2: I mean, I like, I like some of uh, Brad Meltzer's stuff, you know. I I haven't read any of his novels. I have to confess to that, but... Um, I like some of his comic book work. But, yeah, that, that shows us kind of... Yeah, I mean, if you want to learn about, um, s- some various, uh, uh, conspiracy theories, it's interesting, but you're not going to find out anything, you know, <laughs> that you couldn't on Wikipedia.
0: So, is there a comic book where you can learn about abortion?
2: <laughs> There's one you can see one!
3: Yeah. <laughs> The most with, accurate portrayal of abortion <laughs> in with, with no real clinical reference whatsoever. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they I just get it. their hands <laughs> in there and pull the babies out. Isn't that how they
2: do I'm pretty sure a, a code hanger comes into play at some point. So.
1: Whoa! <laughs> I'm still looking at the picture. I got it on my browser. <laughs> they, they ask the girls not to wear bras. The girls are conscious and and having discussion with the doctor during the procedure.
2: Well, I think they use the uh, I think they use the bra to slingshot the fetus out the window when they're. Oh man! I
1: think we dead horse enough. Yeah, I think we have. Uh, I'm sorry about that.
0: (laughs) Martha, and tell us about what you like in comics
3: i like in comics yeah Uh, well i I got i was trying to kind of wean out of mainstream stream comics because marvel had just to me just turned me off with the product they were putting out yeah we've been talking about that a lot we're with you (laughs) And, and then it was as if dc heard my prayers and all of a sudden now i'm buying more dc comics than i can read i don't even know why i'm buying them at this point Yes. The um, but it, I just got caught up in the whole.
0: I know. Segway, you've become a zombie.
3: <laughs> yes, I'm mindless. I shuffle into the comic store. They put my hand out. They put books in, it and I leave. <laughs> the, uh... the back of
2: George shoots you in the head. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been really digging the DC 52. It, it For me, it harkens back to uh, 1986 and 87 with the post-crisis DC universe. So I've kind of um, – I guess I'm reliving my child, my, my preteen years there. The, um, and I, I, I follow a lot of the independent guys that I've met over the years. Like I, like I just mentioned Rob Anderson, and uh, he works with Tom Hutchinson at Big Dog, Inc. And they're putting out a, um, a book, uh, Legend of the Wicked West. It's kind of a Wizard of Oz in the Wild, Wild West. I thought I wasn't going to like the book, because it looked like it was just going to be like a, you know, a big titty book, you know, a book where, uh, a TNA book.
0: Wait, wait, can you say the word titty again?
3: (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to.
0: No, no, say it, say it. (laughs) Say it.
3: Wow. Okay, come on, just say it. Say it. (laughs) Say it. So, yeah, I thought it was going to be that, but I I wanted to make a beat. (laughs) <laughs> I've been sucked into that titty book and no. you know, another book that, that surprised me was uh, Lady Mechanica I just wish it would come out more oh than once God. yeah that is an awesome series I agree uh, call another... yeah
2: <laughs> it's like a semi-annual book <laughs> but no that's really good and I was afraid that was going to be a TNA book too like you mentioned with um, uh, The Wicked West but yeah, it, that is amazing. uh Spot on, good storytelling, I think.
0: Okay.
3: Right. Yeah, so I've been following that stuff. Um, the uh, the guys at Action Lab, whatever they put out, I always pick up just because, um, I mean, it's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I, I know the guys, so it's kind of like I want to support fellow indie creator. Okay. And yeah, let me just bring this point up that always irks me. Whenever I do a panel at a con about indie comics, everybody in the crowd, you know, you say, who wants to make indie comics? They always raise their hand. Oh, I want to become my <laughs> own publisher. Oh, sure, I want to write my own book. And then yeah. I always ask how many of you guys have bought my book? And like six guys raise their hand. Mm-hmm. And it's always like everybody wants to be an independent public or be a publisher or be a but writer. They don't want to you know, support yeah. they don't want to support it. It drives me insane. I don't understand. Hmm. Too many cheap enough so opinions. Yeah. There you go. So I I always try to support, you know, the Fellow guys and like when I go to MegaCon this weekend I'm probably gonna stock up on, you know, small press guys and just you know, check out what other people are doing just outside of the mainstream. Not yeah. that I have anything against the mainstream. I, I am just... I'm knee-deep in the New 52. Uh-huh. But as I said before, I used I used to be a Marvel zombie. Hey! But um, I, just, <laughs> just, I just can't get behind what they're doing these days. There's nothing that appeals to me in their catalog. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess we'll have probably some more other opportunities to talk about Marvel. Um, I think we should probably start wrapping it up. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, Martin... I hope you're not uh, what's the word? Destroyed by your experience with us.
3: <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I'm still curious about why the pressure about talk about suicide. Tell me more about suicide.
0: <laughs> oh, why? Oh my yeah, god,
2: that yeah. was that was kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, tell me,
3: tell me. Yeah. No. What's we'll the box? box.
0: No, she's a, I, I care a lot about the issue of suicide. Okay, right. And I'm not afraid about talking about suicide. Oh, okay. Uh, I, got, I got that much. <laughs> it's a serious issue. I'm not afraid to talk about it at all. And I'm always available, if anyone needs to talk about suicide, I'm always available to talk to them about that. And, um, yeah, I care about suicide a lot. and uh, And I don't believe we should... Hide it. And it's not a dark issue, like you said, Andy. It's not a dark issue. It's something that if we talk about it, there would be less of it. And let's just talk about it, and it's going to be – things are going to get better for most people. If if we were able to talk about it freely, um, what the issues are and so on, we could help more people like that and less people, less families and would be broken and so on. That's all I care about, suicide.
1: You you can't count on your – Future unborn son to appear to you at your darkest moment. Exactly. You should reach That's out true. to. You reach <laughs> out to a family member or someone you care about, or someone, someone close to you.
2: How it Doesn't have,
0: have to be you. someone close to you. Oh boy, okay, no, let me not is, go into. Which too. is
2: why I'm going to start a new Kickstarter uh, fund oh, for just... the, the comic book bin uh, suicide hotline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do that.
3: Just, just give out everybody's <laughs> number. Yeah. Well, I got it right here. 7, yeah, well, actually, if you, if you open the back of Decisions, I actually put the suicide hotline number in there. That's good. Just in case, you know. That's awesome. That's a good... Uh, no, that's
0: a good thing. We do have articles about suicide on the site, by the way, Uh and most of them have been written by myself, and they're written the right way you have to write about suicide. Sorry about that. Anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs>
1: Anybody who writes differently about suicide really needs to consider uh, where they are in their life. And, and uh... Uh, <laughs> are you trying to draw
0: me oh, in? I, I want to, <laughs> to
2: say something about so recently. If you're considering suicide, do not go see The Gray. <laughs> <laughs> most, most depressing
0: movie I've ever seen. Hmm. It's good though, right? I haven't I haven't oh, it seen was it really yet.
2: Good. I liked
3: it a lot.
0: Okay. All right, um, Martin. Okay. What's your Twitter yes. account? and uh,
3: Cosmic Times it's just you know at Cosmic Times one word obviously because you can't do two on Twitter
0: okay the, and, um,
3: and uh, CosmicTimes.net that's my website all the links are there to my Facebook page my Twitter account cool uh, I try to update the site at least once or twice a week so good yeah
0: um, Andy you're not doing Comic wallets anymore
1: nope I'm just doing uh, I'm reading articles on the CBC now that's my main thing oh C30 yeah, C30, I'm reading about C30. That's my main goal right now. 30 the, I'm,
2: I'm on... It's a sad day when there's no comic wallets being made.
1: <laughs> not for me, it's a joyous not, You I'm didn't gonna tell throw me throw that you were stopping like comic wallets I and I in put the ad.
0: Country. <laughs> you you didn't tell me you were stopping it and I kept the ad for like months. And whoa, 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 whoa. I told you. Canada
2: when? Canada isn't a third world country. <laughs>
1: soon soon okay yeah we'll we'll be a third world country like indiana any one of these days
0: (laughs) oh boy (laughs) Uh, okay Uh, so what's your twitter account
1: oh it's um, at andy donia that's a-n-d-y d-o-a-n i-a good does anybody get where that name's from
0: yeah you told me it's a disease or something right
1: (laughs) yeah isn't that funny what disease is it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a disease where you, you uh, it's, can no longer feel uh, like joy from life events. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: I think this Kickstarter project that I'm uh, putting up tonight is perfect for you.
0: <laughs> Dan, Twitter account?
2: Uh, my Twitter is at Dan underscore four, H-R-N.
0: Good. Uh, I'm your host, Hervé publisher of the Comic Book Bin, an uh, adventurer, and obviously uh, at Comic Book Bin. And um, yeah, uh, I'd like to thank Martin for coming today. Uh, yeah, thank you. Gosh,
3: thank you guys. This has been a blast. I thoroughly really enjoyed myself. This might be the most fun I've had on a podcast. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> 20 minutes, of it. we're about abortion. So don't no. be-
1: <laughs> Oh, we should really nail it. Uh, 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 Man, I wish I was more prepared. I could have come up with a real great, a really great heartwarming abortion joke to to finish. (laughs) Oh, If if I think of it later, I'll I'll, I'll have it. Air Day hit it on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So
0: this was a Comic Book Bin podcast for February fifteenth, two 2012. And we'll be back next week. All right. (laughs)